Are you recording now? Recording. <laughs> this is gonna sound weird. Things are about to get weird. Just get to the murder. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing fine. Um, welcome to This Is Gonna Sound Weird, a podcast where sometimes we don't know how to make conversation <laughs> with people we've known for years. Um, <laughs> And, and, and sometimes the conversation is flowing. I'm one of your hosts, Sydney. I'm your other host, Taylor. <laughs> and this week, um, well, first of all, my brain is mush. So I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is a podcast about all things true crime, paranormal, and everything in between. Each week, we cover a different topic. Taylor, what's our topic for this week? It is Southern Superstitions. Traditions. I kind of, I use the word back and forth in mine, I think. Mm-hmm. Which me and Taylor, you know, we don't know much about that. Uh, we didn't grow up in the South. No. Um, we definitely are not uh, native to this land. <laughs> so we, we don't know anything about, you know, how they do it down in the South. Absolutely not. As you can tell, I am from Canada. Born and raised in Ontario. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. You can really tell. Uh, and, you know, based on my accent, I am obviously from Long Island. Oh, so. yes, yes. She is the Long Island medium. Uh, we've been tricking <laughs> you this whole time. <laughs> I've just been sensing the spirits for many, many episodes oh and uh, yes. this is when we reveal it right here 80 episodes in yeehaw um see it's clearly not from the south as i said i'm from canada the yeehaw <laughs> was uh satirical <laughs> only <laughs> but we are we are obviously be facetious yeah um if you didn't pick up on that you're not why you're not gonna like the rest <laughs> of this show <laughs> Yeah, if you didn't pick up on that, you're you might as well just change the pod because you know we're very not serious at all, mm-hmm. um, very sarcastic and um, very cynical. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of Canada, <laughs> as I mentioned earlier, right. good good segue. Uh, I wanted to mention this on the pod because I wanted to ask you if you'd watched it. Um, so I watched the uh, Turning Red movie about the girl who turns into the red panda. Uh, it's that new Disney movie. Have you seen it? I have not seen it yet, but I have seen the advertisements for it. Well, the reason I watched it mostly was because I had been seeing parents on the interwebs Talk about how it was a terrible movie and you shouldn't let your kids watch it and blah, blah, blah. Kind of like they did with that one movie, um, Onward. Was that what it was called? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Because it was about witchcraft. Yes. Okay. And so this one, parents were saying they didn't want their kids to watch it. So, like, before I watched it, I went on Google to look at the one-star reviews specifically. And everybody was like, it's just about a girl who disobeys her mother and wants $20 or $200 to go blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, what the heck is this movie about? So I watched it. And I really liked it. Um, it was really cute. Um, and the, the girl in it, like the main character, she was really sassy. It's about her like going through her teenage years, you know, doing a little bit of rebelling. Not too much, 
But, like, it's a good movie. And now, would it be, like, a movie that a three-year-old would like? No. Would I let my three-year-old watch it? Fine. Uh, But they wouldn't like it. But for, like, kids who are, like, getting older, it's a good movie. It's about, it's really about, like, female empowerment to me. Because she's, like, really trying to, you know, embrace herself. Growing up, becoming a young woman. You know, being embarrassed, blah, blah. So, I don't know. I liked it. I will let my kids watch it. But also, I'll probably be showing my kids some worse shit than this movie. But I'd like you to watch it. Or if somebody else has watched it, let me know what you thought. Because I thought it was cute. You know, I will watch it. Um, I already know you're going to make your kids watch some horrible shit. Because it only seems right. Because your dad made you watch The Green Mile. So, you should, you know pass on that trauma to the next generation yeah i actually brought that up so i went home this weekend and last week we talked about watching horrible things with our parents and how that created you know how we are today so i told my mom i was like yeah you know when i was little i watched stuff that was like oh because i this is how it came up when i was probably in high school my little brother was probably like eight too young to be watching 21 Jump Street. And I specifically remember I let him watch 21 Jump Street with me almost all the way through. And then I was like, oh, no. And I was like, get out of here. Don't tell mama you've been watching this. And so then I remembered that. But then I told my mom, I was like, yeah. I was like, well, daddy let me watch The Green Mile when I was like really young. She was like, that's a fine movie. I was like, do you not remember the part where the guy gets absolutely fried in an electric chair? She's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's pretty bad. And then I was like, and you used to let me watch Dateline and stuff like that all the time. She's like, yeah, but that's just murder shows. That don't count. And I was like, yeah, just murder. Yeah, listen. <laughs> listen, you can watch murder shows. You can watch oh. The Green Mile. What you can't do is read Harry Potter. No. That's witchcraft. Yeah. That is of the devil. Uh, it's just, it's just not right. <laughs> I had good parents. Don't let it fool you. As you can see, they taught me some of these upcoming Southern superstitions and traditions, which I think are pretty snazzy. Really? Yeah, I really enjoy doing my research this week. I do and I think, I think we should do this same topic, you know, in the future, just because there's so many southern superstitions or southern traditions oh yeah but i feel like we have not even scratched the surface no not at all but i'm gonna go first this week because you went first last week so Mm -hmm. i'm gonna start off with something i find very interesting and something that i would like to incorporate if i ever am so lucky as to own a home uh and that is haint blue Mm, you got a haint on you got a haint (laughs) so my sources for this week are Darling Down South, ApartmentTherapy.com, DustyOldThings.com, Almanac.com, GlassBottlesTree.com, and WideOpenCountry.com. Can you guess what my, one of my topics is going to be just based off of the source? Dusty shit. <laughs> Gotta be. <laughs> so, if you're from the South or have visited cities like Savannah, Georgia, or Charleston, South Carolina, you may have noticed that many of the porches of the old southern homes have a light blue ceiling. Well, that particular blue is called haint blue, and it is what southerners have been painting their porch ceilings with for more than 300 years. Oh. Although very pretty, yeah, it go back, Mm -hmm. uh, although very 
pretty haint blue is not solely meant to increase curb appeal. The color actually has ties to old superstitions. So, back in the 19th century, when African slaves were brought over to America, they would bring with them their religions and beliefs, and these beliefs would then influence the culture that we would have down here in the South. So many Southerners would kind of incorporate these traditions that their servants would have just because, you know, they're the ones cooking your food and cleaning your home. Like, you're surrounded by them, so obviously they're going to influence it. And they're the ones taking care of your kids. So, these beliefs would then turn into religions like voodoo, which uh, was created as a blend of both Catholic and African beliefs and is very popular in New Orleans. If you want to know more, you need to go back and listen to our episode where I talk about Marie Laveau. Yeah, but I touched a little bit more on that. And we've done a co- I'm fascinated with New Orleans, so we've done a couple episodes. So just go back and listen, mm-hmm. you know. Binge listen. Go on a road trip for no reason than other than to just listen to my podcast. Yeah. So the Gullah or the Geechee people who lived on the coastal plantations in Georgia were the first to use haint blue. They believed that the color would protect them from evil spirits known as haints. Now you may be asking, what's a haint? Well, I'll tell you. A haint is a mispronunciation of the word haunt, which is what Southerners would refer to as ghosts. So rather than just say ghost, they would be like, you have a haunt. Mm, it's haint. I grew so, up with haint. Haint. So, haints are often believed to be spirits of the dead who are angry and easily agitated. Haints tend to be mischievous and will enter your home and wreak havoc on your family and belongings. Mm-hmm. But, luckily... Haints do have a weakness. They are terrified of water. So they tend to stay away from any sort of body of water or anything that appears to look like water. The Gullah people began painting their porches, front doors, window panes, shutters, the color of this light blue in order to ward off haints. The belief was that haints would mistake the ceiling as water and would be too confused about how to enter the home, hence protecting the family from the spirit. And it didn't take long for white people to notice the blue porch ceilings and seeing as it, you know, it's a nice calming color. They began painting their ceilings that very same color, causing haint blue to grow in popularity across the South. Today, Haint blue can be spotted throughout the South, particularly in historic cities like I mentioned, like Savannah, Charleston, and these ceilings, you know, other than, you know, protecting you from haints, they have a couple other, you know, useful purposes. One, it looks nice. Mm-hmm. But some people claim that the color actually makes their porch cooler which definitely is an added bonus during these hot summers in the South. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, in old Southern homes, there's a bunch of different architectural choices to get rid of, you know, the hot air in your house. So, like, in New Orleans, they have shotgun houses, so you get a nice breeze. Um, And then the angles of the porches and things. So I could see that being, you know, another reason. Because, you know, anything you do to 
knock a few degrees off. Why not? Yeah. But others claim that the color acts as a bug repellent. Mm. So wasps and birds won't build their nest on porches because they mistake the blue of the ceiling for the sky. Dummies. So basically, (laughs) idiots. Uh, (laughs) Gotcha. So they think that they see the blue. They're like, oh, this is just the sky. This isn't a porch. And so that way they don't build nest in your your porch um, or like your um, railings. And so it's, you know obviously wasps suck birds are just kind of more annoying but there's also speculation that bugs are turned off by the color because that certain formulas that were developed to form the color haint blue contained lye mm-hmm. and that they they found the scent very off-putting which i could definitely see that because lye was super popular in most things back in the day and, I mean, think about, like, Centronella repels bugs. Uh, yeah. But then also, interesting thing about lye, this is a little tangent, been interested in getting a cast iron skillet, very southern of me. Mm-hmm. And, they, you know, they always say, don't wash your cast iron skillet. Don't wash your cast iron skillet. Too late. I did a bit of research. So, actually, you can wash your cast iron skillet, and you should, because that's, frankly, just kind of gross. But the reason you weren't originally supposed to wash your cast iron skillet is because the soap back in the day was had lye in it and so it would seep into the cast iron and it would it would ruin the flavor you know it could be dangerous for you but now like dawn dish soap it it doesn't have that in it or doesn't have a huge amount of it so you don't have to worry about that you know poisoning your family when you're just trying to cook a steak or maybe make some biscuits i like to make biscuits and cornbread in a cast iron yeah, I wash mine every time um, just because I can't stand the fact knowing that if I eat off of it again, mm-hmm. it's dirty. Mm-hmm. But so now we're going to move over into my next superstition, which the two are quite related. Southerners really, they didn't stray very far from what they were afraid of back in the day. So my next thing is bottle trees. So again, if you grew up in the South, you may be familiar. You may be familiar with bottle trees, but you may have not even realized what they really were. You might have just thought they were something kind of decorative, or just kind of cute. I know I did. I, I don't think I really realized what they were. So today, bottle trees can be found in yards and gardens of many Southerners, and are often referred to as a poor man's stained glass. These trees are metal posts or rods covered with glass bottles to make branches. To understand the meaning behind the bottle tree, we must first go back to 1600 BC. Oh, I know, you didn't think we were, we were going to go back this far, but we, we here we are. So, when glass bottles, so like, you know, before you would maybe make your bottles and stuff out of like clay but when glass started to become more widely used it began to circulate through parts of africa egypt mesopotamia and locals specifically in egypt believed that spirits could live in these bottles and this belief then spread to other parts of africa and eventually made its way over to america when africans were brought over as slaves 
So when Africans would arrive in the U.S., they created bottle trees from dead trees, usually crepe myrtles, and adorned them with these glass bottles. They believed that these trees would protect them from haints. As we've discussed, a haint, bad ghost. Bad. Not a good, not a friendly ghost, not a Casper, a bad ghost. The belief was that haints would become trapped inside the bottles at night and that the haint would be too confused about how to get out of the bottle and that they would spend all night trying to find their way out of the bottle only to be dried up in the sun when the, when morning came, essentially. I guess because it gets so hot in the bottle, like a greenhouse. So when people would hear the sound of the wind blowing through the opening of the bottles it would make kind of like a whistling sound like a, you know mm-hmm. <laughs> that's exactly yes, what it exactly. sounds like Ooh. oh i'm spooked but uh yeah you should be because that sound many believed was the sound of haints <laughs> crying because they were trapped no. inside the bottles no. hell no <laughs> So, when a spirit was caught, it was also common practice that someone would remove the bottle from the tree, cork it, and throw it into the river, only to be washed away. So, basically, you would just be like, yeet that bitch down the river. And I guess, I guess you would hope that the, the haint would again dry up in the, in the bottle, or I guess maybe whoever's downstream picks up that bottle and then they get the haint. Yeah, mm mm-mm. I found a glass bottle in the ocean one time. It was like a message in a bottle. What if we let a haint out of it? We still have it. Mm. What? What did it, was there a message in it? There was. It was confusing. Uh, it sounded like it was off of a boat. It talked about tea time on some boat at a very certain time period. I really don't know. Somebody might have wrote it, it just to be dumb. <laughs> This is true, because I was going to ask, does it, did it look like an old piece of paper, or was it maybe that, uh... It actually had a date on it. I'm going to the beach, actually, over Easter, and it's at our beach house, so I'll let y'all know. Stay tuned until Easter, and I'll read the note. Oh, yeah, please, do a Instagram live. We'd love to see it. Will do, will do. It... You just open it up, it says hags. Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> now, blue bottles were the most popular bottles to use. And this was because, just like the blue used for porch ceilings, it was believed that the color blue would repel haints. Mm-hmm. However, haint blue for the ceilings is more like a light blue or like a light bluey green, whereas blue bottles for bottle trees were typically almost like like a dark royal blue or Duke blue. If you're if you're familiar with Duke University, they're sort of blue. But slaves would hang bottles from trees and huts as talismans to ward off these haints. Crepe myrtles were often used, and this could be connected to the symbol of freedom that myrtle trees represented to slaves in the Old Testament of the Bible. Again, soon white people caught on to bottle trees, like they did with Hank Blue, and began using them in their home as well. 
Now, I had always seen bottle trees, but I just thought it was something kind of <laughs> funny. I also kind of thought it was something that people who just drank a lot <laughs> had, you know, like they had drank so much wine that they were like, you know what, we're going to do with this. What are we going to do with all this wine, all these wine bottles? We got, ah, I got it. We're going to decorate the yard with it. Honestly, whatever you said, bottle trees, I don't know really what I expected. But yeah, my grandma has one of these. Um, I always thought it was just for decoration. <laughs> mm-hmm. I did too. Um, I also, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, if you've ever watched Because of Winn-Dixie, if you ever, tra- if you as a child were traumatized by the movie and or book Because of Winn-Dixie, uh, then you probably remember that the little girl befriends a woman who has, uh, I believe it's whiskey bottles hanging from Hell her tree. Yeah. And that's what it reminds me of. And then just another little tidbit, this isn't quite a full topic, but... You know, if you're really worried after all this hank talk about, mm-hmm. you know, a hank getting into your house and maybe you don't have a yard to put a tree and you can't paint your ceiling, you know, blue because you're in a mm-hmm. rental. Another thing that you can do is distract the hank. Good the idea. best you can do <laughs> to keep them out of your house is to make sure they stay distracted. And I don't mean that you should go and do magic tricks on the porch at night to keep them out. You can easily just get an old broom and lean it up against the side of your porch, you know, right by your your front door. And the belief is that a haint will stay up all night counting the bristles <laughs> on the broom. And it will keep losing track as it counts, Stupid. you know, because there's a lot of bristles on a broom. And they're freaking <laughs> idiots. So they'll keep uh, having to restart counting. And the hate will do this over and over again until sunrise, in which case it will have to leave. <laughs> um, and it will, you know, you will have fooled the hate. It will not be able to enter your home because it spent too much time counting. Uh, I also saw this thing that you could have it where it counts grains of rice. I guess maybe, I don't know, do you leave a big bag of rice on your porch? Will it count sand? I feel like that will get the same purpose. Just put a little, you know, bag of sand on the porch. Maybe if you live by the beach, maybe just a cute little bucket of sand, I guess. But I have seen, you know, old little brooms. I think of like those cinnamon stick brooms mm-hmm. everybody gets around Halloween. Yeah. Can you use one of those? And the haint will just sit there and count all day. I always get a cinnamon stick broom, but I put it in my house as decoration. Maybe next year I'll get two and I'll just set one near the door. Maybe what you should do is... You get the one, let it all the scent go away because it's gonna smell your make your house smell mm-hmm. good, and then when it loses its scent, put the old one outside. That's a good idea. I got a mop outside right now. Does that count? <laughs> Maybe, but I don't know if there's quite enough Cords. little. Yeah, what is it? Cord. Yep. I don't think it's gonna work. <laughs> nope, I don't think so. Uh, best of luck. Let me know if a Hank comes. I, will. I guess you really don't have to worry about it because Tex, your dog, already looks like a skinwalker yeah. so the hate will probably be too yeah, scared he'll scare off the hate um if you want to stay away from a hate don't go to the cemetery in nashville where george jones is buried and do not go into the uh, mausoleum because a hate will get attached to you my dad got a hate attached to him there um yeah 
he he said that he actually we talked about it the other day i think i may have briefly mentioned it on the podcast but he never mentioned this to me so he goes into the mausoleum that day and there's a lady in there apparently um and she was like do you she like works there and she goes do you smell that and my dad was like um and i mean I, my dad was like you know it smelled a little weird i mean because you know the mausoleum is where the bodies are just like in drawers almost like stacked up and he was like uh she's like do you smell that i just <laughs> so i said no she said do you smell that and they were like i don't know maybe she's like that's the smell of my angels all of these people in here oh, are God. my angels uh yeah and then my dad got a hate attached to him uh after that and he said he couldn't sleep all night or are you sure that that lady wasn't a haint herself? She might have been. Uh, yeah, she said that sometimes the people in there be doing some weird stuff. The dead people, that is. Um, yeah, so don't get a haint stuck on you when you go to the Nashville Cemetery to pay your respects to the likes of George Jones and Porter Wagner. You know, I won't, but I'll keep it in mind. You know, but to be fair to that woman... If I, if my job was to work in a cemetery, I think I would make it my life's mission to just scare the shit out of people. Just say really off the cuff, like out of pocket shit, because like, and you know what I would do just to, because you got to make it fun. She probably doesn't have anybody. She, no coworkers. Her her coworkers are dead. (laughs) So she doesn't have anyone to talk to. I think I would come to work. I would wear all black, obviously. I would get a pet crow. Yeah. And I would yep. train it. I would train that crow to do stuff like fly away, crow whenever I need it to, yeah. you know. Maybe she could work for tips, you know, just put out a tip jar. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, or you know how we talked about in our Dumb Criminals episode, the birds that would sing, have little singing yep. competitions in the park. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I could teach my crow <laughs> teach my crow to have a little singing competition in the cemetery. Yeah, a rap battle. <laughs> Just an idea. Yes. Uh, but thank you for your 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 all yours were haint themed. I liked the the theme throughout. Yeah. So you know, it wasn't intentional. I guess, you know, they kind of blend into each other. But I also discovered a girl on tiktok who i believe it's called like stories of the south Mm -hmm. and she she does all these videos on different like southern superstitions and ghost stories so she has one where she talks about you know the devil's tramping ground which we've touched on a little bit Mm -hmm. and she i don't know actually we know where she lives in the south but she has a hank blue ceiling and she keeps a little broom next to her front door so maybe i'll uh, post one of her videos on our tiktok because i find it interesting and she kind of makes it sound creepy and uh yeah it's story time from the south if you're looking it up on tiktok yeah but she's got a lot of videos i find them interesting i had to look her up you know i do have a house right now but I don't think we could paint the ceiling of our porch haint blue because it's like a, it's not, I don't know if it's plastic, but it don't look like something we could paint. I feel like it will peel. I don't know. I feel like with your ceiling, if you were going to paint it, you'd have to do like a spray paint. Yeah. I also don't know if Brandon would let me because we're going to rent this house. <laughs> People might be like, oh, Maybe they got to have paint blue. 
you know what I would say? Why don't you take your your front porch furniture and spray paint it Hank Blue? Oh, yeah. I think that'll do the trick. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's good. Or paint your door that color. That'd be cute. And you know what? We live down here in the South. I mean, people might think that you were like, you know, a Tar Heel fan, which would be awful. That would be awful. But I guess it's better than a Hank. That's true. Okay. Are we ready for my stories? Yes, I'm ready, please. Okay. Because I, I, I know that you went down to the, you went home to the mountains. So I can only imagine what you've got in store for us. I did. Um, so, these are my sources. Oliversmarket.com. What's the deal with peeves on New Year's? Uh, styleblueprint.com. <laughs> 12 <laughs> mostly southern superstitions that may surprise you by Jenna Bratcher. Uh, exemplor.com. An article by Kathy H. And a wikipedia.com Shiva page. And then on my last story, I'll give the uh, sources when I get there because it's more like particularized. Anyways, so my first one. So my family, every New Year's Day, eats black eyed peas and collard greens. Or as one of my you have to. one of my grandma calls collard greens salad, which is salad with a T. Um, not sure why. I can go ahead and say now, I'll admit it, I do not eat black eyed peas and collard greens. Um, if we ever, if when we go eat at my grandma's house, I just will eat whatever meat they cook because I've actually never tried it, but I used to be really picky, so these days I might eat it, but anyways, maybe that's why I don't have success. Because my Uh, family- It's possible. Yeah. Because my family says that, you know, you have to eat this on New Year's Day so you can have a lot of success in the next year, particularly money- um, and so mm-hmm. my family says that the black eyed peas symbolize like the coins and the change and the collards symbolize dollars and like paper money. So I wanted to look up where this little tradition came from. And so it's said that the tradition dates back to the Civil War. Um, and during this time, the northern troops, when they would come raid the south, they would pretty much take everything that was edible except for the black eyed peas uh, because they did not think black eyed peas were suitable to eat by people but should only be eaten by animals so when they would raid houses and also saw when they would raid like fields and stuff they wouldn't take the black eyed peas and they'd leave them behind so the black eyed peas that were quote lucky enough to stay behind uh many of them made it to the tables of mostly southern slaves And they really started being good luck because after the slaves were emancipated by Abraham Lincoln um, on New Year's Day, January 1st, 1863, um, I guess they all like ate that on that day to celebrate. And I don't, I didn't see this, but I'm going to assume they probably didn't eat it because they felt that black eyed peas were the most delicious, delicate thing to eat, uh, probably because there just wasn't any food. And um, that's what they had. So, after this day, especially uh, the emancipated slaves would eat black-eyed peas on the first day of the year um, because it was, you know, good luck. It symbolized, obviously, a great thing that happened for them, even though we know that they were emancipated that day and uh, not really much changed after that. But that would be a whole episode, a whole series of podcasts. But, as with your story, the... uh, little tradition trickled down into the white folks and families of the south and it kind of transformed over time um it's it stayed mostly the same in that 
most people who do it say that, you know, it's going to bring you luck and prosperity. Um, and also people would eat it for luck. Even people who weren't um, emancipated slaves during this time, people felt lucky to just have something to eat to keep them sustained through the winter, especially during the war days. So there are other variations of the tradition than the one I mentioned earlier, where the peas are coins and the salad is the money. So some eat it with cornbread, and they say that the cornbread represents gold. Um, and you know, I'd eat it with some cornbread. I feel like you sop up that uh, the collards with it, and probably the black eyed pea juice. I love cornbread. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. You ever eat cornbread and milk? You crumble yes. it up and put it in the milk. Um, I've got a, I got two boxes of Jiffy Corn Bread mix in my pantry, and um, I'm resistant, you know, cooking it because I just know I will just eat it. I just love cornbread with just a little bit of butter on it. Oh my god, it's so, it's so simple, yes, so delicious. <laughs> it's true. I need a small cast yeah. iron skillet for cornbread. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, some will, some people will eat exactly 365 black-eyed peas for the best chance at luck in the next year. I don't know if that's a lot or not a lot. It seems like a lot. Mm, but, like, black-eyed peas are so small. I know. That's why I'm like... You know, like, I think mm. about, like, grains of rice. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But some people will eat the peas stewed with tomatoes to represent health and wealth. And some people, I thought this is fun, they add a shiny penny or a dime into the pot before they serve it. And when it's served, the person that gets the penny or the dime has the best luck for the year. And the article I read said, unless you're the one who gets it and you swallow it, then you have bad luck. I was like, yeah, no shit. That reminds me of... For Mardi Gras, when you have a king cake, uh, there's like a little baby yes, in it. Baby. And if you, you know, get the baby in your cake, uh, I think it's supposed to mean good luck and you're supposed to buy like the next king cake. Yep. But I do think about like, what if you choked on this? I also think about that when like in movies when people would put like the wedding ring or like the no. engagement ring is some cake or something. No. Like, it couldn't be me. Brandon knows better than to have done that with me. I'm the type of person where when I eat like french fries or something, I stick my whole finger in my mouth and I frequently bite it. I don't know why. People make fun of me. I guess I just get really hungry. Get really into it. Uh, yeah, clearly. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess you must, when you eat french fries, are you mistaking <laughs> your fingers for french fries? I don't know. Maybe I'm just always hoping there's going to be more fry there than there actually is. Maybe like you know, like in the bottom of the bag, there's always like a bonus fry. Yeah. You think your fingers are bonus fries? Honestly, when I was little and still kind of to this day, I started, I used to eat really fast. Um, but then I would always get so sad after eating because everybody else still had food and I didn't have any food. And I would literally get so upset. Like I couldn't sit there. So now I've learned to eat slower. Um, Partially for that reason, partially because you're supposed to eat slower. But yeah, that's just a little, you know, take look into my life um, and how my relationship with food used to be and still is. But we're working on Thank it. Thank you for sharing your trauma with us. <laughs> you're welcome. 
Um, just know if you have extra chicken tenders left and I'm done eating first, I will eye those chicken tenders until I bully you into giving me one. It's true. I've seen it. Yep. Okay. So next tradition. This is one that I don't have personal experience with, um, in my family, but I'd never heard of it and I thought it was kind of cool. So there's a Southern superstition where when someone dies, you have to cover your mirrors with like a sheet or something after they die and stop the clock. So... This, though, did not initially start in the South, and as many of the traditions came from the slaves, this one actually came from a Jewish tradition, which is interesting. Uh, So it came from the Jewish mourning period, which is a week long, and it's known as sitting Shiva. And during this period, the parents, siblings, spouses, and children of the deceased will mourn for seven days following the burial of their loved one. And Shiva is a time for the family to discuss their loss and accept the comfort of others around them. And also during Shiva, it is required that the people that are mourning must cover their mirrors for the time um, that they're at the time their loved ones die until the end of Shiva. And so there is a few reasons that I saw that this is done. This is going to be a very cursory overview because I got it from Wikipedia. Um, But you just, you know, you get a little taste. So one is that people were created in the image of God. um, And so when a person dies, it lessens God's image. And so the death of a human being uh, disrupts the connection between the living and the living God. And because mirrors reflect that image, you're supposed to cover them. It was a little convoluted. Um, The one thing I do know about Judaism is that it is quite um, intellectual which I appreciate about it. If I were to, uh, you know, get into a new religion, I think I would look into Judaism because it's pretty cool. They like, I've heard a lot about it and uh, it's very interesting. It's much different than growing up Baptist. I think like they encourage you to like ask questions and all of that, you know, question why this is and why that ain't. All I know in in a Baptist church, don't ask no questions, please. Thank you. Don't. Nope. Put your hand down. Yeah. Put your hand down. Unless you're praising the Lord. What, put, it down. put it down. Put it down. And, and honestly, I grew up Southern Baptist, <laughs> so we don't even do, we don't do, we don't do that yeah. hand raising stuff. If you're in a Baptist church, put it down. If you got it up, you're going to be getting stared at and judged after the service. Did you see him? He had his Absolutely. hand up. They're going to think that you've caught, the, <laughs> they're going to think you caught the Holy Ghost, and they're going to be like, oh. Or you caught the haint. He's caught a haint. Oh. He's caught a haint. Get him. Get him. Uh, and so, now, the second reason that they cover up the mirrors after death is because the family members are supposed to compliment not compliment contemplate the death of their loved one and their relationship with god during the time of shiva and so they should not focus on themselves and covering up mirrors will help the mourners to focus less on themselves um and more on their relationship with god and their loved ones like i said i'm sure there's a lot more in depth on that but you get the idea So, this tradition was blended into Southern culture, and in Southern culture, when someone dies, their loved one must cover up the mirrors, and I assume it's the mirrors in the house that the person died. Um, So, they have to do this to avoid the deceased spirit from getting trapped in the mirror upon seeing its own reflection trying to get to the afterlife. So, like, if you die and you're trying to walk to the afterlife and I guess you accidentally see yourself, then you're going to get trapped in the mirror, which sucks. 
Uh, some also say that the mirrors are covered so the mourners don't have to see what they look like while they're mourning and they can grieve freely. And also, it's said that one of the loved ones in the home, that if they see themselves in a mirror after the person dies, then they will be the next person to die. So you have to cover oh them. Oh, God. And, but you have to only cover them until the funeral. So after the funeral, mirrors can be uncovered. And if you see yourself in the mirror, you're not going to die next. Honestly, now that I learned this, I'm probably going to do this when somebody I love dies because I don't want to accidentally get them trapped and I don't want to accidentally die because I look in a mirror. Yeah, I don't want to... I don't want that to happen to me. Uh, I was just thinking about that. I was like, damn, should I start incorporating that? I mean, the last person that died that I was in the home where they actually died was my grandpa. Um, And I don't remember. I don't guess we covered up the mirrors um, and I didn't know this then, so I wasn't worried about it. But also in the Southern tradition, you have to stop the clocks at the time of someone's death. This is done to allow the person to move into the afterlife at their own pace without rushing them. Or it's done so that the mourners um, can stay in the home and mourn as long as they want without having to worry about the passage of time. And if the clock is not stopped, it's said that those that remain in the home with the unstopped clock will have bad luck. And if the clock stays moving, it will invite the spirit of the deceased to stay in the home and haunt it forever. So, like, stop the clock, people. Um, I don't get, I mean. I will. Yeah. Um, but what I saw was more practically, uh, stopping the clock was mostly to get an accurate time of death. But, you know, it could be all of the above. And I'd really never heard of this tradition, but in one of the sources I read, it said that in the movie Fried Green Tomatoes, which I have watched a lot, but I don't recall this, but when one of the characters dies, I'm not going to tell you who it is, um, the people that are there with them when they die cover up the mirrors and stop the clock. And I don't think it was a big plot point, but it did happen. Now, is that in the movie or is that in the book? I think it said it was both, but... I, I cannot say for sure. Now, because now this is something, and maybe, which I've asked other people, and they also didn't know, so maybe we're all just clueless. Um, we just don't pick up on things. But the Fried Green Tomatoes book, the two protagonists are in a lesbian couple. They're in a re- lesbian relationship. In the movie, because it was made in the 90s, they couldn't, like, blatantly be like, <gasps> hey. Because, like, that wasn't accepted. And so the main characters, you know, it's kind of hinted. And I was like, huh, was I just, like, not picking up on that? Or was it just so very subtle? I think it had to be. Because, like. So you're talking about Ruth and, I- what's her name, Izzy? Iggy? Izzy. Mm-hmm. Iggy. Yeah. Yes. They're supposed to be in a relationship? Mm-hmm. According to the book. I'm already um, I haven't read it. It's on my list. Because I, I... Evidently, there's probably some other things that, you know, they probably had to leave out. Because, I mean, <gasps> it's a very good movie. But it was in the 90s. So, I don't know how that would have flown with, you know, the conservative South back in the day. But it, it is one of those things... Yeah. Which you would see, though, you know, 
if you rewatch it, because I've since rewatched it since starting this, and you can kind of pick up on like some of the subtleties. Hmm. But I thought it was a little fun bit of information. I learned that from a Kathy Bates interview where she talks about it yeah i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to rewatch and read the book i mean i love that movie and the addition of a relationship would make it so much better but i don't they didn't hint Mm -hmm. at it in the movie that much i don't think i never picked up on it uh, like ever nope i didn't either so i'm glad to know that i'm just not like really bad at picking up on things i think they just really glazed over it uh yeah but if y'all picked up on it uh let us know but i'm gonna go ahead and say you probably didn't because i like i said i've watched that movie a lot and i've never picked up on that but so basically when somebody dies cover your mirrors stop the clock just in case you know it's, it's good uh it's good practice but at the end of that little article i was reading i saw this and it was just a short little thing it creeped me out so apparently when somebody dies and they're taken out of the home on a stretcher, they have to be taken out feet first. Because if they're taken out head first, it will allow the deceased to, you know, basically look back into the home. And when they look back in, they beckon someone else to join them in death. I was oh. like, great. Great. So take your dead out feet first, people. Feet first. No. I didn't I didn't know that, but I, I'm not often moving dead bodies, so but I'll keep that in mind <laughs> for next time. Now this is to my last story. And so this one is one that my mother has a personal anecdote with. And I will mention it at the end. But I got this specific this isn't one that's very well known. I knew that it was part of my family and I didn't know if I was gonna be able to find a lot of stuff on it, but I found this lady on youtube and the video was the ability to talk or blow fire from a burn in appalachia and her page is celebrating appalachia and so she read most of this out of a like a newspaper article that was written where she lives and she like contributed stuff to the article but this is a it's like a healing practice but you'll see kind of more what it is um some people call it talking the fire out of burns or blowing the fire out of burns and it is rooted in appalachian superstition and lore and so most people that have the skill to do this or the gift thinks that it's been given to them by god um and it sounds supernatural but most of the people who do it or used to do it uh don't think it's related to anything magic or to the occult it is all the work of god and this type of work there's different like you can do different stuff um but it's called faith healing so this gift has been around for centuries and like i said it said there's no magic involved it is just the belief and the faith that it will work um so a lot of people who used to have this gift are known as fire or burn doctors And so these doctors are able, if you burn yourself, they are able to take the fire out of the burn. And how they do it is by using a charm um, so they can talk the fire out of you. And so one version of talking the fire out is the burn doctor will say this, quote, there came an angel from the east bringing fire and frost in frost out fire. There came an angel from the east bringing fire and frost in frost 
without fire. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then another version, which this one is specific to Western North Carolina, and the lady said that the this was collected from 1939. Um, it goes like this. God sent three angels coming from the east and west. One brought fire, another salt. Go out fire, go in salt, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And so the burn doctor will usually recite one of these charms three times in like a low murmur. And while they do this, they move their hand across and slightly above the burn while pushing their hand away from the direction of the burned person. And it's kind of like they're trying to, you know, push the burn away from them. And as they do this, they also blow on the burn. And so as the burn doctor does this, the person who's been burned will feel relieved and the burn will burn no more. Uh, But according to the tradition, you can only teach this to three other people and... Some say that it can only be, so like, if a woman has the gift, you can only be taught it by the opposite sex. So she could teach it to a male, and then a male could teach it to somebody else. And in my family, that's how it is. Um, You can only, you can only tell it to, like, the opposite sex. I don't know why. I know in these days that's not very PC, but that's how it has been said. And there's a lot of variations on how it can be passed down. Like some, it can only be passed down maybe through a mother's line or a father's line, etc. Now, in my family, my mom got burned when she was little. And most people will use this when you get like pretty badly burned to where like something's got to happen. So my mom got burned. I don't know what exactly happened. She was little. And so my cousin, my mom's cousin, they're like the same age. Her grandma, who's a grandma, like, on her, like, mom's side, you know, she ain't really does. She lived down the road. And so, my mom got hella burned. They took her to Mall Tony's house, was her name. And Mall Tony took the fire out of her burn by doing this little thing. But mama said, you know, she couldn't tell what she was saying. She didn't, she wouldn't tell nobody what she was saying. And it worked. The burn went away. And so... I don't know how it works and I don't know if she passed it down and I was thinking earlier today because I don't know a lot of people who could do this anymore um, because it's real religious people and I'm kind of I wonder if I got a sneaky suspicion I was thinking this this is total speculation it's kind of a little bit of witchcrafty feeling you know and I'm curious if the mm-hmm. whole satanic panic thing back in like the 80s kind of made the people who used to have the gift not pass it down and so now it's getting lost to history. Yeah, I don't know. And I also feel like because, like, in the South, we are so rooted in religion. But at the same time, like, religion has, like, some controversy. So I feel like younger generations, like, if you have to be very religious, like, I feel like you would have a hard time, fi- one, finding someone who is very religious. And two, I find that the people who are very religious, they're just not going to believe in that mumbo jumbo magic you know yeah which is why i feel like it's very um like in appalachia a lot of the religion from like way back it's like it was kind of mumbo jumbo magic as some people would call it because also uh mal tawny she also knew how to like if you get a nosebleed she knows a like faith healing to stop a nosebleed and which i was supposed to learn my my mom's cousin I told my little brother, I told him to go to my mom's cousin, 
get the trick for the nosebleed. And then he can tell it to me. And he hasn't got it yet for me. But if he does, I will... I probably can't let y'all know. I'll let Brandon know and then Brandon can let Sydney know and then we'll all know. Yep. Yeah. I just wish I knew more about that. Also, whenever I was born, Ma Tawny, the lady who could do all that, she had already passed away. Or she was very old at the time and so she didn't really remember it all. But I so wish that I could have talked to her because it fascinates me and it really worked. Like, people in my family have used her. She was kind of like the resident little i'm not gonna call it a witch doctor because i know that they wouldn't want to call it that she was the resident faith healer and her husband actually was a preacher Mm -hmm. which is even more interesting so her husband was like a big like a preacher Mm. around um and i did know him he's just a sleek little old man but yeah she had the uh the gift so i don't know yeah and i think about like in like old sort of like very religious churches they do like you know where you can catch the holy ghost and people start speaking Mm -hmm. in tongues which is like you're not really like you're saying stuff but you're not really saying stuff you know like no one can understand what you're saying but you got to be saying something uh and i feel like it's kind of similar to that i would have loved to know like how she got it did her mom do it all of that but I feel like my family kind of pushed it down because now that I've gotten kind of more spirit into the spiritual stuff and my intuition, I'll talk to my mom and like our family, like the women in our family, like we got, we got a little, uh, a little supernatural in us and I can feel it. And I think it's cause we're mountain ladies, but I just feel like they've been pushed down by the men. Yes, I think it definitely is. They've been pushed is. down by the men, and now they're ready to kind of talk about it. Because even my friend's mom, like, she has some crazy stuff like that, too. Patriarchy, man. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, wh- mountain people do have a lot of interesting sort of superstitions and religions uh, and traditions. We, at the beach... We don't really have too much. Well, so I will say this. People who live at the beach, some do. It just depends on where you're from. So I am from, you know, southeast North Carolina. So I don't really have it. But if you're in, like, the beaches of South Carolina where the Gullah or the Geechee people still are, you might still have more of those ties. We just don't really have those yeah. in North Carolina. I think my family also has it a lot because literally my whole family has lived in Appalachia basically since we came over here whenever. And they literally settled like in the county we live in now and they pretty much haven't left. Like my generation is some of the first that's really branching out and leaving, which, you know, it's kind of sad that we're leaving because it is cool traditions, but... I can't stay there. The mountains, you feel trapped in the mountains. Oh, yep. boy. I can feel that. I can feel that. Because yeah, you're also in the valleys of the mountains. The foothills, yeah. if you so will. So they're just all around you. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for that. Um, you're welcome. I, I had, you had told me the talking out the fire one. But I had, you know. So you, I've heard this before. But I didn't know that. I mean, I assumed that other people had experienced it. But. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to find much, but I found that lady. I mean, I don't think it's probably too well-known. Probably not as well-known as it used to be, but if y'all didn't know, now you know. Yeah, and if any of y'all know anybody who can talk the fire out, or if you've had the fire just talked right out of you. Took out of you. Just right right at you. Just let us know, (laughs) you know, slide in our Instagram DMs, say, hey, 
I ain't got a fire in me no more. Let me tell you about it. And we'll say, hey, let us know. Honestly, if I get burnt again, hella, I'll try it. Um, Can you perform it on yourself? I don't know. It's worth a shot, right? That and a little bit of aloe vera should do the trick. Um, Also, I... The other day, my boyfriend got burnt. And I said, oh, you need to put some toothpaste on it. And he acted like I had, you know, just absolutely lost my mind. (laughs) He looked at me like I had six heads. I was like, yeah, you put toothpaste on it. Um, and, and then I made him put toothpaste on it. And he, he heavily resisted. He thought it was weird. But I was like, yeah, it takes, that's meat. That's my version of talking the fire out of it. Because that, it's got to be minty yeah. toothpaste. That minty toothpaste, it will, it will fix your burn. That's what my grandma does. Uh, when she gets burnt, she puts toothpaste on it. One time, Brandon, I don't know if he was lying to me or if he's just dumb. But I burnt my whole hand. I wrapped my whole hand around a curling iron and burnt the entire thing. And he said, go put some butter on it. And I was like, okay. Uh, it didn't help. I think it made it worse. Um, it was horrible. We went out to eat Mexican food that night. And I had to hold my hand around my cold cuff the entire time we were there. Uh, yeah, that was your mistake. Uh, now, was it real butter? Or was it, I can't believe yeah, it's real butter. It was real butter. Was it refrigerated? Yeah, I just don't. I just don't know if he was right, or it was such a bad burn it just wasn't gonna do it. Yeah, you may um, need some toothpaste. I personally, I personally like the aloe. The last time that I burnt myself really bad, um, put aloe on it and it really helped. So like fresh aloe, you know, I broke the leaf off my plant and used it. Yeah, well, let us know if you are able to talk to <laughs> the heat out your your hand. Just go ahead and burn yourself this week. Let us know. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, great. <laughs> Knock on wood. Hopefully it don't happen. But what's our theme for next week, Taylor? It is celebrity deaths or Ooh. celebrity crimes because it could be celebrities who cause deaths. That could be it. Deaths involving celebrities. Yes, and I'm sure there is a plethora. I can almost guarantee it. But follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. Email us at this is gonna sound weird at gmail.com. And mm-hmm. most importantly, stay weird. Goodbye. Goodbye.